Hi, everybody. So I'm here and uh, I am joined by Mike Bloom and we are talking, we had the 600th episode of The Simpsons and we are going to be talking uh, about the show and our favorite episodes. And so if you want to say hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and you want to introduce yourself a little bit for those who aren't as familiar um, with uh, you? So, yeah, my name is Mike Bloom. Uh, I am a podcaster out there in the universe i mean it's a very deep lake as deep as springfield gorge if you will at this point but <laughs> i cover a lot of reality and scripted television i'm probably most well known for my work in the rob has a podcast universe uh talking about survivor big brother amazing race top chef rupaul's drag race there's a, a slew of things that i watch and are very grateful to cover on that network i talk on post show recaps about a lot of things like once Upon a Time, Black Mirror, Orphan Black. Uh, I recently am on a Westworld podcast, which has been a lot of fun. It's been a crazy great show so far. Uh, and yeah, there's there's a lot of different podcasts I'm on, and I'm thrilled to be on one more talking about a show that I hold near and dear to my heart for so many years and so many episodes. Oh, I'm so excited. I love Once Upon a Time. So I love the, the Once Upon a Time podcast, and I, I know many on my channel love Disney. So if you don't watch that show... If you don't listen to the podcast, uh, you should you should do both because it's really fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Kurt Clark and I get together to talk about each episode. We recap the episodes, and uh, it's once upon a time has gone in a rather interesting direction. I still love the yeah. show, but it's made some questionable <laughs> decisions to say the least the past few years. But that's the fun of it, right? Yeah, exactly. It's soap opera with Disney. It really so, is. Gotta love uh, that. How can you not love that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking forward to them incorporating. Uh, Zootopia. No, they're gonna. The internet has already been like fervent with Zootopia, considering the uh, ideals that it presents. I can't imagine if they make it anthropomorphic. They stay away from like the talking animals enough on that show. So let's yeah. not you know bait them even further. Yeah, I could just see Judy Hopps. Yeah. Uh, well, that'd be yeah. weird because Jennifer Goodwin voices her. So yeah, it'd that's be, true. Like, a, a meeting of the minds. <laughs> that is true. Uh, so well, let's talk about The Simpsons. So the reason why I wanted to do this is they had their 600th episode this Sunday. Crazy. And so I just wanted to, uh, to recognize it because it's sort of funny. In, my, in, in the Mormon world, everybody's always kind of surprised that I like The Simpsons, which is ridiculous. Uh, but I don't know, for some reason, I, th I think when it first started, it had this sort of shocking reputation, which is funny now because compared to your South Parks and your, you know, other Any, shows. Anything Seth MacFarlane does, yeah. Yeah. And, but I, I, I can't even tell you how many people, you like The Simpsons? And I do. I love it. I've watched it my whole life. I, I'm still, I'm a, I'm not, I haven't given up on the show. I never will. It's just part, part of my life. Uh, except for my mission. That's the only time I, I didn't watch watch the Simpsons and mm -hmm. it's just always, you know, it's not obviously not every episode lands, but it's just always finds a way of making me laugh. And uh, I love animation. So I think that's part of it too. I've always loved animation. And part of the reason why I, I loved the Simpsons is because my brother and I have nothing in common. Like we are, if I, if he, if he was white, I was black. If he was, you know, zag right, I zag left. Like we were just so different. I live in Utah. He lives in Portland. Um, we're very different. But the one thing we both liked was The Simpsons, and so we watched it 
every, <laughs> every Sunday, uh, once it moved to Sundays and, uh, uh, it's and it was something my parents normally we weren't allowed to watch TV on Sunday, but we were spending time together and we were we weren't fighting. So I think my parents said, "All right, we'll let this slide." Yeah, my history with The Simpsons is very similar. Obviously, from a different background, though. I mean, I probably started when I was much too young. I think I got into it around season, I want to say like around season five or six, but I was watching it in syndication because I remember after a few seasons, they got to syndication pretty quickly. So I remember watching when I was probably about like six or seven years old, which again is way too young, but I have learned about so many things through The Simpsons. I actually remember, this is not an episode that we'll talk about, but one of the episodes, Homer's Phobia, which features John Waters and talks about, you know, Homer dealing with gay men and the possibility that Bart might be gay. That's the first time I'd, I'd ever learned about homosexuality. Right. Um, I had to like, when the commercial came, we had to like pause it. And my mom had had to explain to me exactly what that meant. And so that speaks yeah. towards what a cultural cornerstone the Simpson was in my life. And in general, um, mm-hmm. admittedly, yes, the show is not what it used to be, but you know, I was asked earlier on this year to like rank my favorite shows And I'll still put The Simpsons as my number one show because nothing to me comes close to those classic years. And of course, those are ubiquitous. You, you, everyone has a different definition by them. But like, (laughs) that's when I get home after a stressful day, I put it on an episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. I'm showing my wife The Simpsons for the first time, and I'm elated about it. I found friends through quoting The Simpsons. I quote The Simpsons on a daily basis, fervently to no one in particular. It's just a show that is really stuck with me and it's it's one show that i feel like has definitely also informed you know i also in addition to podcasting do a little bit of comedy as well and i feel like it has informed a lot of my comic sensibilities and my comedic attitude it in my opinion there is nothing that beats those classic years of the simpsons dramatic or comedic television i agree i 100 percent agree and there's an artistry to it that i think is really uh, if you can say the simpsons is underrated i think that part of it maybe is that the animation is so beautiful and I, I, it introduced me to a lot of, as a movie fan, it introduced me to a lot of movies. There's yeah, so sure many there are, homages yeah, to I'm Hitchcock. Yeah, sure a lot of people our age, yeah, that like say like, oh, I, you know, there might be an episode where I, that I'm talking about where I'd say, oh, I saw the Simpsons parody of it before I actually saw the movie version of it. I feel like for exactly. kids growing up who didn't get to see, as you just mentioned, Hitchcock, like this was a great sort of peephole into that through parody. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I mean, you just mentioned watching the Westworld show. I, I can't remember which episode it is, but there's one where they totally pay homage to the Westworld movie. There's just so there's Citizen Kane homages throughout all over the place. Uh, there's uh, just a, it's a it's also like it's smart. I think that's why my parents were OK with us watching it even on a Sunday uh, was because it was smart. You know, of course, yeah, you have the 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 Bart, you know, and you have the sort of the more juvenile jokes. You've got it. But there's a lot of really clever uh, jokes. These are people that the writers are Harvard, you know, educated. They're smart. And uh, and so you do actually kind of learn things, I think, through through The Simpsons is, is where does that might sound. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also the reputation it's garnered over the now, what, 28 years so far, 600 episodes, which again is yeah. outstanding. But I mean... It is, I feel like, you you know, when people approach you and say like, oh, you watch The Simpsons, I think people now approach someone like me and be like, oh, you still watch The Simpsons? Yeah. <laughs> because I think after the first like 10 to 12 seasons, some people felt like they grew out of the show. Some people feel like the quality dipped. And so 
why are still people still watching that show? I would make the argument, you know, through the FXX syndications rights and it being available on simpsonsworld.com, I've watched a good amount of episodes from like different eras. And I actually think that The Simpsons is, is on a little bit of an uptick, in my opinion. I think so. It's not as uh, incredible as the first few seasons were, but I feel like in those middle teenage seasons, we were sort of in a little bit of like weird purgatory experimental mode where they were trying out a lot of things. And I feel like The Simpsons sort of has it, a leg to stand on now where mm-hmm. it feels sturdy enough to do new things still, but not to go so out of left field that it stops being funny. Well, and in the last five years, they've really started, I think, to take sort of more artistic risk because they got in high def in 2009 and there's just a clarity to it. And they'll have like uh, somebody like a Bill Plimpton do the uh, couch gag or Gilmore Toro, or even they had the amazing Miyazaki couch gag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll bring in, uh, you know, sort of different artists and different, I just feel like there's a little bit more of sort of an artistry that, uh, that maybe, yeah, maybe the writing's got a little bit, little bit stale, but I think that, that there's, there's sort of other things maybe to appreciate almost more now than there might've been in the seven through, at least for me, like four through four through nine is probably, the the best of the best but uh but i still think uh, it's still i still get entertained by it it still was nominated for an emmy last year yeah so it's <laughs> it, i mean it beat out rick and morty it beat out a lot of shows which surprised me but but uh but yeah so and it's certainly speaking of rick and morty it certainly laid the fa- the ground uh work for so many great shows you know that have come after it that have followed it that have uh that have used sort of its template even just on fox alone uh but uh but something like a rick and morty something like a uh even a, the um robot chicken there's just so many different shows that that have used the simpsons as kind of a template well i would even argue outside of animated television i mean mm-hmm. for example That's on post show recaps i just did a 10-year retrospective on the show 30 rock which I feel like is a great example of a live action Simpsons in that the Simpsons is notable for using the joke a minute approach, right? Where like Mm -hmm. almost every other line in some cases with there are two jokes, like within the same line, that's how crazy these writers would get back in their heyday. And I feel like there are some shows nowadays that utilize that pacing. Now that the Simpsons kind of pioneered that to their greatest ability, you don't need to wait for a laugh track. You can bend the rules of reality and just create as much zaniness as possible. I feel like Mm -hmm. the Simpsons is directly responsible for that yeah yeah i think so and also having just this real heart uh behind uh the the humor uh on many you know many an episode many they're all talk about i love because they almost make me cry like there's just a heart to the relationships that in the core it's about a family and it's about people that really do love each other in the end so there there's a uh to me, I, I I think personally, I think that South uh, Simpsons is much better than The Family Guy because I do feel like there's always a, a bigger heart to uh, to The Simpsons than uh, than any of those sort of other shows that got kind of more cynical. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you could argue that like South Park might have a better commentary on society and that's great. But yeah, The Simpsons does a great job of sort of, again, back in its really emotional heyday. And there are some modern episodes that I feel like sort of yanks on the heartstrings as well, but really running Mm -hmm. the emotional gamut of really, as you said, setting up these relationships and 
creating such beauty out of these small moments. And I'm sure we're going to talk about them. But I mean, mm-hmm. as cartoony as the show might have gotten, even in the classic years, I think a lot of people really liked the elements of the show that were realistic, you know, episodes where Leisha has a crush on her substitute teacher and oh, you know, yeah. Homer gets a second job. Like these are things that are inherent to a lot of, you know, sitcom plots but what the simpsons was able to do was build their characters so well that they took these conventions they were sort of able to turn them on their head and warp them to fit their style and really bring a certain amount of pathos into it yeah um well and i do i just wanted to say real quick i do have the chat room open if anybody wants to uh chime in uh if you're watching feel free uh so yeah so we created our a top five list of our favorite simpsons (laughs) it's really tough i actually ended up with I, I, as I kept going, I, I ended up with uh, 15 that I, you know, really, really like, obviously we're not gonna talk about all those, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I was able to whittle down to a top five. And so we were going to kind of just go over those and, uh, and figure that'd be sort of a good template to kind of talk about various seasons over the years. And so what were some of your honorable, honorable mentions that you didn't uh. make your top five? These pain me more than a triple <laughs> bypass to, these, to cut these guys. Because, yeah, I mean, you said you could get a top 15. I could easily make a top 50 yeah. list of Simpsons episodes. Again, from that classic era, there are just so many good ones. But I'll read off uh, a nice, like, half Baker's dozen of them. Um, and some of these I really love, maybe because of their strong episodes, but there's, like, one or two jokes that just kill me every time. So let me read off a list here. I'll start with uh, season six's A Star is Burns. That is the film festival episode. It's the crossover with Jay Sherman from The Critic, which I know is a little Uh polarizing. Um, The reason why I I put it on here is because I just love the Mr. Burns subplot of him trying to make his magnum opus, uh, coupled with this is the, in my opinion, the best Hans Moleman episode. And I've been showing these episodes to my wife and she's fallen in love with Hans Moleman, specifically the I was saying Boo Burns of it all. Uh, so that's that's one. Uh, sticking with season six, I love Lisa's Rival. That's the episode with, I think, Winona Ryder as Allison, who the, the A plot is this new girl in school is as smart, as musically talented. Essentially, everything Lisa is except better, and she sort of is coping with a friend-turned-rivalry. In the B plot, that's where Homer gets a pile of sugar in his backyard, which is crazy silly it ends up with a a british man uh nipping tea, nipping sugar for his tea while he wasn't looking and the bees come to steal it all uh if anything it's the perfect what ralph wiggum episode that's the one that has my cat's breath smells like cat food i bent my wookie uh it, it that's just he's a great character in in moderation when you use him too much i feel like he can go a little overboard but that's classic um i love when the show goes meta and one of the best examples of them doing show is an episode called itchy and scratchy and poochie uh where Mm -hmm. they bring in a new character for itchy and scratchy and homer gets the voice of them and this was done in response to the network telling uh, the simpsons hey you you guys should get a new character you know bring some new blood onto it so that's the whole lampshading thing with that character of roy and you have such you know you have the whole demise of poochie with i have to go my planet needs me is just (laughs) infamous it's a fantastic and also to see homer like do a job that he actually really cares about is very much unexpected um going to an episode that we talked about has a lot of emotional aspects to it a uh, mother simpson that's the reveal that of glenn close as homer's mother uh that mm-hmm. has probably one of my favorite endings of all simpsons episodes with him just you know after she leaves him him just 
silently looking up and staring at the the spacious night sky is just beautiful. Glenn Close does a fantastic job. There's plenty of humor in there about like the hippie counterculture. I'll talk about an episode that you were mentioning beforehand, a perfect homage to Westworld itchy and scratchy land. Uh, that's where the family goes. And it's sort of a mixture of like Westworld and like Jurassic park where the robots take over and start to kill them. There's just so especially if you're a Disney fan, like you are, uh, I'm assuming you must love all the jokes about the board license plates, the yep. licensed characters like uncle Ann and Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> There's just so many great amusement park humor uh, in there. Yeah. Uh, two other ones, Bart's Comet. That's the episode where there's a comet and Bart finds it. Uh, there's just so much fun throughout where he, you know, he gets inducted into the super friends, which are the group of nerds. Uh, everything just gets doomed when the old bridge to town gets blown up and Flanders gets like kicked out of his own bomb shelter. And they all sing Kesara, Sarah, like a surprising heartwarming episode. This next one is the one that was my number six. Just missed the cut. 22 short films about Springfield. It's a weird one. It's a even great in, one. It's a weird one, but a great one. Even in season seven, you were talking about like artistic choices that the show made. That's definitely one of them to be like, hey, mm-hmm. we're going to concentrate on so many side characters. But it has by far my favorite Simpson scene ever. And I think it might be Al Jean's favorite Simpson scene ever. Uh, Skinner and the superintendent. The whole steamed hams, <laughs> Aurora Borealis, Utica versus <laughs> Albany. That scene is just... <laughs> incredible there is yeah. not like a line dropped in that every single yeah. line is so fantastic and there's lots of great stuff there as well but steamed hams definitely buoyed it for me up to number six so that's my list of only honorable mentions yeah that was a really great one that one ended up as 13 on my list uh, um so yeah real quick i i love as far as a modern episode that i really do like i i like brick like me the lego mm-hmm. One I thought was really creative and, and great. Uh, I I love uh, I love one called Cartridge Family, mm. uh, which takes episode. on gun control, and that one's really funny. Uh, that uh, is written by John Schwartzwelder, who is my favorite of the Simpsons writers. He uh, he tends to I don't know if it's just because I am tend to be more conservative, and he tends to make fun of conservatives in a funny way, so it usually makes me laugh. Um, uh, it's the only I, I tend to not love the Treehouse of Horror as much as most people mm-hmm. because I just don't watch that many horror movies. So I don't get a lot of the jokes. Um, they're kind of lost on me. But the one I do like is the Treehouse of Horror uh, number five, uh, which is The Shining. <laughs> because yeah. I've actually seen that movie. I've seen The Shining, so I get it. It's it's like the, And that's the one that has like The Shining and it has the time travel one. And I think it has Nightmare yeah. Cafeteria. So that's a really strong exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so I, that one, that one's really funny. And no beer, no TV, make Homer. Uh, something, something. <laughs> um, another one I thought of, this one I, I thought of kind of last minute. I thought of Cape Fear. Uh, it was our best Sideshow Bob episode. And Kelsey Grammer's so good in that. And it is such an homage to film noir and to Cape Fear. And uh, so that one's part of kind of the end of a three-part sort of trilogy with, uh, with Sideshow Bob. So that one's really good. And then Homer the Great is a John mm. Schwartzfelder one. Yeah, Stonecutters. Yes, and that was one of the great. Uh, Alf Clausen is an uh, undersung hero of The Simpsons. His music is, uh, is just great, I think. And uh, so he has a great song in there. And, you know, that they rig every Oscar night. And they <laughs> is that, are they responsible for Oscars so white? It was the Stonecutters <laughs> yeah. the whole time? Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. 
<laughs> who well, yeah, every Oscar night. Amber, so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that one's really good. Uh, and then my uh, my honorable my one I I really debated between my five and six. I watched them both. I really because I I really do love one called Make Room for Lisa. This is from season 10, episode 16. And this is one where Homer ends up, uh, Homer is taking, I love, I love Lisa. She's my favorite character. And uh, Lisa uh, ends up going to a museum with Smithsonian Museum with Homer. And there's some great lines in there. Like he, he actually picks up the, uh, the Bill of Rights. And and he's like covered by he's like and then and the uh, the the police the police is like uh, stop hiding behind the bill you know hiding behind the bill of rights you know and uh, <laughs> yeah I think, I think he's like didn't he like he's like oh you just ripped out the part that made it uh made it illegal for us to beat you <laughs> yeah cruel and unusual punishment <laughs> um so I really do like and so he ends up and the the exhibit is sponsored by the cell phone company and so he ends up having to take up Lisa's room with a with a cell phone tower and uh, and I, I guess I really like that one because it's one where Lisa ends up through they go to this sort of hippie uh, place where they have this audiovisual they're in these audiovisual um, tubes and she ends up going into the mind of of her father and she sees him from a whole new perspective and she's like I need to be nicer to him <laughs> and I, I so I, I really like that heart in that episode of, and I love the way that, uh, you know, she says to him at one point that, you know, as we get older, we're only going to get further apart. We just have to be honest. And, and I love that just Homer's immediate response is, I'm never going to let that happen. Lisa, honey, I'm never going to let that happen. And, that, and I, I really like that. <laughs> That's yeah, really and, sweet. And, and speaking towards, you know, I could probably pick up modern episode as well that I really like. You spoke about the Homer-Lisa relationship. Uh, season 27's Halloween of Horror was a great one of the best modern episodes in my opinion because it really harkens back to that relationship it's the only canon halloween episode where they did a treehouse of horror that year but they did a halloween episode as well and it's so simple it's about like lisa becomes scared and homer's trying to protect her and of course things get out of control but that relationship is always the strongest uh mm -hmm. surprisingly enough you think like the father son between bart and homer would be the well that they keep going back to but there's something about the smartest, most logical member of the family and the dumbest, most illogical member of the family butting heads and summarily making up that has led to so much great writing as a result. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, okay. So I will go with my, uh, with my number five, uh, of, I think it's called, it's probably an unusual pick. It's called the secret war of Lisa Simpson. This is from season oh. eight, episode 25. Eight would have been definitely a sort of prime. Uh, this was when I was, uh, this was 1997, I think. Mm -hmm. And this would have been right when I was in high school. It would have been prime Simpsons viewing time for me. So I think that's why seven and eight, six, seven and eight are kind of some of my favorites. Uh, and anyway, I love this one because uh, it has a lot of really good uh, gags. I, I love the fact that... Uh, that um, Lisa is so bored and they end up watching this film. They, got, they watch some of those old timey film strips and there's one about sand. Yes. <laughs> and sand, sand, sand. And Bart and his class go to the, the, um, uh, the cop, uh, um, visit at uh, chief Wiggum. And they end up, there's the, the, uh, the exhibit of the, uh, the California, the, the, the hippie 
and the and the girl hippie with this with the sandwich with the baby. Yeah. It's like it's the California sandwich. And <laughs> we laugh. And and so Bart does his ultimate prank where he he uh, brings all of these megaphones together and he ends up busting all of the, the windows in a whole town. And so he gets sent to military school and they go there and Lisa realizes that that's the kind of education that she wants. Like these are people that are actually like trying. And so she decides to go. And of course she's the only girl. And this episode has some really nice moments between Lisa and Bart. Uh, Cause Bart's trying to kind of be cool and fit in, you know, him, himself, but he also, his sister is getting hazed pretty bad. And uh, so there's some real nice moments between the two of them. I love uh, that, uh, that Marge sends Lisa a tape and it, of her singing you, uh, Julie Kavner's vocals mm. on there of you are my, uh, you are my sunshine. I love that. And uh, the, the vocal work on the Simpsons is just phenomenal. The, the big five, you know, that they got are just incredible. And especially since they've been doing or it six, for almost six. 30, almost 30 years at this point is like some people may complain like, Oh, their voices don't sound the same. Well, yeah. Imagine you doing a role, let alone multiple roles for nearly three decades and see yeah. if your voice doesn't change as a result. Sure. And especially someone like Yardley, where it's just kind of her voice, you know, yeah. like it's just, of course her voice is going to change. It's not like she's trying to be a different voice. I think that would be different, but yeah, the main six, we sh I guess we should have said you've got Dan Castellaneta, Julie Kavner, Nancy Cartwright, Yardley Smith, Hank Azaria, and Harry Shearer. Your big so six. the sixth one was a touch and go for a hot second, like a year ago. Yeah. That was scary. <laughs> weird. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they would have gone. Cause like the plan was for them to like bring in actors to do his look like voices anyway. And I guess luck. it could have happened, but it would have still been, strange it's one of those things where i love harry shearer he does great work for the show but i don't know my opinion is less of him considering he seems to be like pretty a pretty stingy asshole like he wasn't when they did the simpsons ride like he didn't do any voices for that so they had to completely scrap their idea and go with something new so like he's oh, always the big hold out for more money so it's it makes me look on him a little bit less than the others oh yeah that is a shame i didn't realize that yeah but i i like the secret war of lisa simpson i think that's the season eight finale as well. I mean, the Bart Lisa episodes are great as well. And that's a fun sort of environment to put things in, you know, giving Lisa push ups and asking her a question and her responding. Does the answer, is the answer going to, you know, give me anything more than push ups? And they just sort of look at each other confused. And her conquering the big uh, conglomerate megalith obstacle course at yeah. the end is, and, and is a lot of fun. Bart cheering her on. I know you can do it. And that, that's yeah. just a really good moment. And, and so, yeah, it's, um, it does have guest voice of, uh, William Defoe. Of course, uh, they've had some of the, they've had basically everybody who's anybody is guest voiced on the Simpsons. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's just one night, like I said, it has that heart. And I think it does have some, some pretty, some pretty good gags, uh, with, uh, they, they also watch a film strip, uh, with, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a, the uh, man in the moon and it's like yes. will we ever get there <laughs> the film strips are great even uh, like i wouldn't say the modern ones but like there's a season 12 episode where they show an old movie called like the christmas that always wasn't but almost wasn't but then it was where it's so bad that like a stagehand walks on in the background the simpsons does film strips really well even yeah. after troy mcclure's 
uh, unfortunate or Phil Hartman's unfortunate passing. Yeah. Another one I love is in Bart the Mother. I should have put that as an honorable mention, but I love the film strip in there about taking care of the bird. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Yeah, it's true. And they're so good about like, they do satire, they do parody, they do slapstick, they do every kind of comedy that you could want. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess I can talk about my number five yeah. because it's very much in line with the dynamics that you're talking about in your number five. Uh, it is season six, episode eight. It's called Lisa on Ice. Uh, and it is about uh, the A plots and B plots sort of merge with each other. Uh, Lisa and Bart. Lisa is failing physical education. It's the only thing she's failing. Meanwhile, Ralph Wiggum is failing English despite it being impossible. And Lisa is really figuring out a way to... Uh, really looking for an outlet to vent her frustrations. And it turns out that she is a really great sharpshoot at hockey. Uh, and so she joins a rival hockey team to Bart. And so what we see in like the second and third acts are their rivalries and their relationship kind of fall to pieces. And at the end, uh, they're about to, you know, bear down on one another when they sort of have these shared flashbacks of their relationship throughout their childhood that I think is just, really beautiful and it ends with them dropping everything despite a tie game for them to just skate around the rink which is so nice i mean i have a sister as well i mean i'm an older brother and i remember watching it at the time because again i was like of that age you know i was like six seven years old when this aired and that was something that really resonated with me that you know you are so close to your siblings when you're young and that's something you need to remember even when you're at odds and there's some great humor in there as well there's the fun part of you know bart and lisa fighting each other with them saying you know i'm just gonna move my arms like this and close my eyes and if you happen to move into my path so be it and then homer tries to do the same thing with the pie there's just a lot of great stuff homer being like a hockey dad uh i think he actually becomes like a hockey dad an actual hockey dad like later on uh in the series but him being like the like the 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 hovering like a, yeah, the yeah like a, the hovering dad being like you know if you if you win it you you're great if you lose it's all over i think is just so much fun so really heartwarming funny episode that really focuses on a really strong relationship that's why it's my number five yeah yeah that one's really good it has a it it's it's a lot of satire about the world of sports and competition and i do love that ending that yeah. they just said Who, why do we care about this we don't even like this <laughs> yeah it's and, and how the town is also like so bloodthirsty there's that fun moment where all of the lisa supporters are saying kill bart kill bart and all the bart supporters are saying kill bart kill bart it's just those are those moments make uh it really special when like the entire town is is so invested in the the outcome of this peewee hockey game for some reason it's it's a really great episode yeah yeah, no, that one is is a lot of fun. Anytime you can bring in some of the other some of the other town characters, I always like that. Yeah, and, not to mention uh, when Homer chases Uter with snapping a towel and he's full of chocolate, he can't run. <laughs> oh yeah, Uter, Uter is like one of my other like really random favorite characters. <laughs> I was gonna ask what your favorite of sort of the side characters are. I I think uh, I. I I I I do love Ralphie. I love uh, Nelson. I love. Uh, I don't know. I there's just so many that I love. <laughs> yeah, I hard. love I love a lot of the school characters. Maybe it's because again, going through it as a kid, I always like resonated yeah. with the school scenes. But I love Skinner. 
I love Groundskeeper yeah. Willie. I feel like Groundskeeper yeah, Willie is one cool. of the characters that like did not dip in quality over the seasons, and that he's just <laughs> an insane, angry man. So the and the, you know much the much bereaved Marsha Wallace as a Necrobopla, I thought was a great character too. Yeah. So like probably that like conglomerate of characters along with the other mishmash of random people that I mentioned beforehand. Or I mean, even when you get Superintendent Chalmers in there, oh. sometimes there's some really good, yeah, <laughs> some really good ones. Um, okay, well, so my next. Uh, my next one is called Bart on the Road. This is season seven, episode 20. And this one, I just think has so many good lines. It's about <laughs> the, uh, the kids go on a, a, a basically like take your daughter, take your kid to work day. And Bart ends up going with uh, Patty and Selma. And there's yep. one of my favorite lines in all of the Simpsons when they say they work at the DMV, of course, and they say, some days we don't let the line move at all. <laughs> say, we call we, those Tuesdays. Yeah, we call those days weekdays. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> That's so funny. And uh, and, I, you know, you see uh, you see uh, Millhouse at the Cracker Factory having a having quite the adventure and. And so Bart ends up making a fake ID. And so he decides he's going to have the ultimate spring break. And so, and also Nelson wins $600 on the uh, stock market with his dad. And so Nelson, uh, Martin, Milhouse, and Bart end up going on this road trip. Uh, and they're going to go to the World's Fair. And, and so... Uh, I just, I don't know. There's just so many great lines. One of my favorites is they, they buy an Al Gore doll and they pull it and it says, you are hearing me talk <laughs> of that. And, uh, and Nelson spends the last of their money going to see Andy Williams. <laughs> uh, Moon River, bam, second encore. Yeah. It's one of the most like <laughs> randomly great Nelson moments. Yeah. I didn't think they were going to do Moon River and then double encore. <laughs> But then, and then you have this great, again, this like Homer and Lisa subplot where she visits him at work and it turns out they hit it off really well at the nuclear plant. And this is where, yeah, you know, they true. sleep over there and he hears about Langdon Alger, the, the, the boy that he has a crush on. And then she has to tell him about what, because, you know, once the wig sphere falls on the car, they're stranded in Knoxville. And so she has to tell him. And there's this great <laughs> moment where Homer says like, okay, I will help Bart get home. And then I will murder him. Yeah. There's something about the delivery of that line is so great. And, and poor Marge, this episode, we're like, doesn't like Homer like call her from work and she's like, oh, homie, I'm so glad you got to talk to me at work. Oh, you want to talk to Lisa? Yeah. Okay, bye. There's just so many great yeah. little moments. Yeah. Well, and I love like, the, are you gentlemen going to buy some wigs? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. I and they're they're gonna deliver the Big Macs to Marlon Brando's island, or he ends up becoming a courier. It's just it's just great. So yeah, uh, so yeah, that one is my uh, my fourth favorite. Well, I guess I'll do my number four. Uh, it's an episode that you said you're not terribly into because you're not into the genre, but I absolutely love it. It's when The Simpsons does straight up parody. This is the aforementioned Cape Fear which is season five, episode two. In my opinion, the strongest Sideshow Bob episode. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that I love it is because I'm not a horror fan either, but it does a great job of being both funny and really thrilling at the same time, uh, where you have Bob really bearing down on Bart once he escapes, but of course he gets foiled in so many ways. I mean, 
everything I can list off of this episode. You have the, the hello, Mr. Thompson scene, which is like perfect quintessential, like Homer being lovably stupid. You have the whole die Bart die tattoo. Uh, you have, of course, the performance of the HMS Pinafore, which as a musical theater lover and a Gilbert and Sullivan lover, <laughs> I absolutely adored. And Kelsey Grammer is a great singer. So to have him perform yeah. that is great. You have, uh, you have uh, the Bob, of course, stepping on rakes for like an extended 20 seconds <laughs> is fantastic. And him going through the cactus patch, getting stepped on by elephants. Um, even the, my favorite is Homer trying to like put Bart to sleep, but he keeps coming back in with like menacing things. Like first he comes up with a big knife. He's like, I just want to cut you some brownies, my boy. And then he bursts in saying like, Bart, you want to check out my new chainsaw and hockey mask is, is just Homer, I think, especially kills me this episode, but there's so much great humor going on in addition to the sense of dread and legitimate thrills that are going on with Bob really pursuing Bart. And he's about to kill him. Was it not for his hubris and love of Gilbert and Sullivan, he'd be able to do it. Instead, he gets baked away toys. So this is an episode that I feel like had so much into it with the additional genre-laden elements kind of drizzled on top. Yeah, and it's really cool because there are it's it's there's actually like there's three episodes in a row. Like I said, sort of this sideshow Bob kind of trilogy. I forget what the other two are called. So there's like there's sideshow Bob Roberts, which is when he runs for mayor. Um, there's the there's Black Widower, which I think was two seasons prior, where he kills mm -hmm. Selma. There's sideshow Bob's last gleaming. I think yeah. Is when with the air show. And then there's brother from the, another show when mm -hmm. uh, David Hyde Pierce is on it. Yeah, that's true. And he is so good in it. And I think that um, the, uh, that the, there's just the, all the, the film noir elements that they bring in. I, I really do like, you know, there's homages to psycho in here. Um, and, you know, and a lot of ones that I haven't seen, obviously there's a lot of homages to Kate fear to, uh, you know, those, those kind of films, Sunset Boulevard, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's really good. I love it too. Uh, and it does get pretty scary and it's visually really beautiful yeah. uh, as far as, so it's a good pick. And that one's directed by Rich Moore. He's a uh, Simpsons uh, veteran. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, 28 seasons, I feel like even the one season, people are all veterans at this point. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Some of them might literally be veterans. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so let's see. All right, so my next one is maybe somewhat of a predictable pick. It'd probably be on a lot of people's lists. I have uh, my next choice is Marge versus the Monorail. And this is season four, episode 12. This was written by Conan O'Brien... Uh, who, of course, we know, and directed by Rich Moore. And you had guest stars Phil Hartman and Leonard Nimoy in this one. And it's a kind of a parody or uh, an homage to Music Man. And uh, you have a, uh, a man who's, who's they, they, it starts out, there's these huge like potholes and there's these huge things. And so they're trying to figure out how to spend how to you know how to spend this money and how to and of course marge wants uh them to spend it on the the potholes and repairing the potholes but then in comes the a i forget it lyle landley yes and uh he sings this song uh monorail 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 
<laughs> there's nothing like a genuine bona fide monorail and um and uh any and uh marge says at the end he says well, what about the the roads and 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 bart says sorry ma mom the the mob is spoken <laughs> monorail monorail and so they start building the monorail and they it ends up being very 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 shoddy construction and i love it you know and they have the map i've uh, it's um what are the towns it's like brockway ogdenville and north haverbrook <laughs> yeah. are the three cities and they put them uh, on the map put to like <laughs> him like drawing the cities on the map clearly written in yeah i put them on the map and it's uh it's narrated by leonard nimoy who you know of course appears and uh it's got just uh, if you like i wanted to pick one one episode of my top five that had a song because i do love the alf clausen songs and i wanted to pick one episode that had a lot of characters a lot of the town and this one is just one of the best as far as ned getting in lines uh you have mayor quimby getting in lines you have uh barney you know just everybody kind of gets a line yeah definitely and i think you know, I wanted to make sure we had different selections. I will say that I think March versus the Monorail is in my top five personally. Uh, yeah. It's an incredible episode. I mean, Conan O'Brien, it's crazy that he only wrote like, I think he wrote this and Homer Goes to College. And that might be the only two episodes that he's solo writing credit on. But it definitely shows. Leonard Nimoy puts in a great spot here. Once the Monorail like takes off on its death track, there's just so much humor that goes on. Phil Hartman, he's fantastic as Lionel oh. Hutz and and Troy McClure, but like he kills it as Lyle Landley. He's the perfect shuckster. So to have all these characters mix it and to have Marge become such a pertinent character that her nagging and her disagreements about prior town, town projects really comes to fruition here. It's fantastic. We get a scientist who may or may not be Batman coming in. <laughs> um, but let me name something, I guess, that in its place, another episode that I would probably replace is my number three. Uh, you only move twice from season eight, uh, my personal season, favorite season eight episode, uh, where the Simpsons moved to Cypress Creek because Homer ah. gets a job at Globex Corporation. Two words, Hank Scorpio. He might be my favorite one-time guest character ever just because Albert Brooks is insanely good. There's a reason why the man did so many voices in the first like 10 seasons of the show, plus in the movie as well, and maybe a yeah. couple episodes after that. And considering how much he was able to improvise so much. You could clearly tell that like him and Dan Kessel and Netta were doing a lot of stuff together. The whole chemic exchange was apparently improvised. So that's really the big strength of the episode, but there's some great stuff with, you know, Bart being, being placed in the remedial class because he can't read script. Lisa being allergic <laughs> to everything. Marge, like becoming an alcoholic, but not really. She tries to drink one glass of wine a day, but that's too much for her. And you get that music sting in the background. It's also fun to, to watch their track as well, because you know, they see them pull away from what they call stink town. And it turns out that they love Springfield all along that, you know, in spite of Homer's love for his new job, his family is much happier back there. So everything resets, even though he gets the, uh, he gets the, the Denver Broncos in the end, even though he wanted the Dallas Cowboys. So <laughs> there's just yeah, so yeah. much incredible stuff, mainly oriented around Hank Scorpio. So that's yeah. why I love this episode. Well, there's some good James Bond homages, yes, parodies. Mr. Bunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in that one I like you know that he's truly the super villain I, I yeah it, that one that one's really good I really like it that's also John Schwartzwelder script 
Uh, he's he's just so good. And uh, yeah, it's one that doesn't have a ton of like, uh, it doesn't have the, a lot of the slapstick kind of gags like you'd have in the um, uh, Bart the Daredevil or, you know, something like that. But but it's just, uh, it's just, it's just funny and great vocal work all in that one, Frank, for sure. I totally agree. Absolutely. And, uh, Let's see. Yeah, no, I really like that one. Okay. Yeah, we're going through this faster than I thought. Okay, so my next one for me is uh, King Sized Homer. This was season mm. seven, episodes, episode seven. And, you know, I'm obviously a bigger girl. And so this thing pokes fun at pretty much our, our obsession with weight and weight loss. And it's also, I, I love things that are about work and I sort of make, I love movies like office space and I love the show, the office and I love anything that's kind of poking fun and modern work. And I, this one has a ton of that. So it's really two, uh, two parts uh, that I, I just, that always win for me uh, with the Simpsons. Uh, and so you get Homer, he gets this dream. He finds out that he could go on workman's comp basically if he weighs over, I think it's like 350 pounds or something like that. And so he goes on a reverse diet <laughs> and he goes to Dr. Nick and Dr. Nick says, instead of, uh, he says, do the see-through test. And he, he rubs the, the sandwich or whatever on the wall and it makes the wall dis disintegrate. Yeah, it's your window to weight gain. <laughs> yeah, your window to weight gain. And and I love, uh, and he's like, instead of, uh, instead of bread, use Pop-Tarts, you know, or... <laughs> Things like that. It's really funny. And uh and because he just he's he hates working and he hates going to work and, and uh this is his dream of uh of being able to work from home. And maybe that's also part of it since I do work from home, I also find you know sort of funny or relate to you that have dream. Like drinking bird in the corner to cover for you while you're doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> click, click, click. Um yeah, and uh, I don't know, there's a great it starts out uh um, there's, uh, a, I think, I'm trying to think if this is the one where they, I think it is where they have, uh, they, they go to the all you can eat restaurant. No, that's actually from, I want to say it's called new kid on the block in season four. Oh, okay. but we referenced it in this episode where Ralph, Ralph makes the joke to yeah. Lisa about like, I heard your dad went to the restaurant yeah. and, and had to close the, the restaurant. restaurant because he ate everything in the restaurant. <laughs> and then that's when you see Homer driving the ice cream truck. <laughs> oh, that's raspberry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and there are some nice, uh, there are some nice Marge moments in there, you know, where she really starts to worry. And Lisa says like, the longer he goes, the harder it's going to be to go back. And I also love when he uh, he's trying to dial and he's like, and then there's the, the, the little, uh, you know, voice servers like, I'm sorry, the fingers that are trying to dial this phone are too fat for this phone. They can't work. And uh, to, to receive a specially dialing one, please match yeah. the palm on the keypad now. <laughs> And so, I don't know, it's just one that, I, mean, I guess because dieting and all that have always been kind of a part of my life, it's one that really makes me laugh. No, and it's a it's a fun one, too. I mean, I think we always enjoy a lot of those early, like, Homer gets a new job episodes before it kind of became a trope. And this doesn't really get a new job, but it definitely is a lifestyle transformation. But I am glad that, as you just mentioned, they address 
the dangers behind it. I mean, they margin Homer make a literal pros and cons list about, you know, the advantages and disadvantages of, uh, of, you know, having this amount of weight and Homer gets like, ends up getting mocked by the town. He just wants to see honk if you're horny in peace. (laughs) Um, But I do love that, you know, he ends up kind of saving the day, I guess, by plugging up the lethal gas with his own body. And there's that nice little fun subplot of uh, Mr. Burns trying to get everyone in shape. And of course, you have the cutaway with Bart washing himself with a rag on a stick, which is one of the best, like, Simpsons cutaways. That <laughs> yeah, was. that was really good. <laughs> ew, yeah, at least it's like, ew. Um, yeah, it, it just it just really, really makes me laugh. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we do have uh, we do have one uh, person in the chat room. Uh, I wish she says uh, that... Uh, they say she says monorail. <laughs> she likes big fan of the, the uh, monorail. The mob has spoken. The chat I, has spoken. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's. Would you say that's the most popular episode? It would be on almost yeah, every popular. top ten. List. I mean, it's interesting. Um, I know something that didn't show up on either one of our lists is like Last Exit to Springfield, which I think, like critically speaking, is regarded as one of the best episodes. I still mm-hmm. I love it, but it's not like yeah. among my top. But I guess Marge versus the Monorail might be one of the most well known episodes. Yeah, um, which is the one I forget. I'm the names. Which is the one with the lemon tree? That is lemon that tree. Yeah, that one's really popular too. It's not one of my favorites, but it's it's really good. It's very. I hear that. I feel like I hear that on a lot of, uh, a lot of top ten, top mm-hmm. ten lists, too. All right, so I'll go with my number two. Uh, we're we're only going to go a few weeks back in airing from your number two. I'm going to go to Bart sells his soul, which is season seven, episode four, and this is a an, an interesting one in that. You know, we talked about the the Simpsons tackling emotion. We didn't talk too much about the Simpsons sometimes tackling pretty big subjects and the idea of a soul and the religious aspects of it and the moral aspects of it were tackled, I thought, very well in this episode. Um, so after getting punished at church for tricking the entire congregation to singing in Agata De Vida for 20 minutes, um, Bart and Milas have an argument where Bart doesn't believe that a soul exists and so Milhouse says, okay, if you don't think it exists, sell me your soul for $5. He does through a little uh, transaction with a piece of paper, but it turns out that Bart feels that something is missing in him. Uh, the animals are angry at him. He can't watch Itchy and Scratchy. The doors don't open for him automatically like they do for Rod and Todd Flanders. And so <laughs> the second half of the episode, he sort of sends up on this expedition to find his soul to the point of where he is begging for it to God late at night. And it turns out that Lisa had sort of seen how Bart regretful Bart was. So she had bought it back through this, you know, it went from Millhouse to comic book guy because he used it to buy Alf pogs. Remember Alf, he's back in pog form. And so Lisa <laughs> bought it from comic book guy. So that's another great, like Lisa Bart moment and Bart feels whole again. And the B plot is uncle Mo's family feed bag where Mo decides to uh, get get the dank out of his place and decides to create a big themed restaurant. So that's a nice take on like the TGI Fridays, Applebee's, Chili's, like that whole aesthetic. And it turns out that Mo can only not be Mo for so long and he lashes out at everyone and loses the restaurant just like that. So it's two very good plot lines and it deals with such a heavy subject in a way only The Simpsons can. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I hadn't thought about that one in a long time. Um, so I'm glad you, I'll have to give that one a, a watch, but, uh, but yeah, you're right. They really have been 
pretty brave without kind of smacking you in the face with it. You know, they still make you laugh. And so you could, uh, I don't know, like, like you were saying with the, uh, the, uh, the gay, ep the episode where, uh, the the steel mill is, is yes the the awesome. anvil we work hard we play hard yeah <laughs> like at that time that was pretty brave but it wasn't uh it wasn't obnoxious if that makes sense yeah. no it totally makes sense they made yeah. it a part of the episode but they had introduced the character of John without saying outright he was gay so that we got to granted he was a one time character but we got to know him before they actually introduced that. So it became about being gay later on, but it also became the character of John sort of represented, yes, I'm gay, but I'm also like a person at yeah. the same time, which was, as you said, like very new. This was pre, you know, Jack and Will on Will and Grace. This was pre Ellen coming out, I think. Right. So this was, this was a pretty radical representation of homosexuality on television. Yeah, you never feel like you're being preached to. And I think that they do have actually a, uh, a a fairly diverse uh, cast. I mean, I, of not cast, but of of writers of different perspectives. And because uh, you do have a John Schwartzwelder who has a libertarian and more of a conservative perspective, and and you do have, uh, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of liberal perspectives in uh, in your, uh, you know, in anything the Hollywood does. And <laughs> so, but I I just feel like you do get a little bit of everything. It's it's more even keeled than than a lot of other shows. And they they seem to be like equal opportunity offenders. Yes. I mean, not as of late. Uh, I think, I don't know if you have seen the, uh, the like Hillary, basically a Hillary Clinton commercial that the Simpsons had done. So they're definitely going for that. But I feel like, I mean, there was that whole Treehouse of Horror segment with uh, Citizen Kang, where Kang and Kodos decide to like basically take over the bodies of Bill Clinton and Bob Dole during the 96 election. And the, essentially the point of that, that they're kind of bringing back into this election is like, you have to vote for one of us. Uh, and so yeah. they ended up voting for Kang is just like, <laughs> that's a nice like statement about our political climate, even to this day. Yeah. I love one of my favorite lines in that episode is, is that uh, she starts out. He's like, uh, he's like abortion, abortions for no one. And then they're boo. like, boo, abortions for everyone. Boo. And then it's like abortions for some and little American flags for everyone. <laughs> yep. And then just them like ending a speech by going Yay! end transmission. It's just, it's it's really fun to sort of like have a take on that political climate while also while also still keeping it in the treehouse horror realm of like scary stuff with aliens. Um, yeah. But yeah, for those first again for those classic years, they were pretty equal opportunity. Even the aforementioned like sideshow Bob Roberts, sideshow Bob has this big monologue at the end talking about how like you know yeah you want to vote for a Democrat, but at the end of the day you know you want a bloodthirsty Republican to you know keep taxes down and you know keep everyone <laughs> yeah. safe. So I think The Simpsons has a lot of fun with kind of uh, playing both sides of the house. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even like my own culture, there's been jokes about uh, about Mormons. Like, there's one really great one where uh, where Marge is is a, is a I, I can forget which episode it is, but uh, she's she's telling she's tell, trying to tell Homer how lonely she is, and she's like, and the Mormons stop by, and I listened for two hours. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, but you can't be offended because they make fun of everybody. Every yeah. culture, every religion, every, you know, has their moments where, uh, where they get poked fun at. So you can't, Absolutely. Uh, you can't take it. You can't be offended. Um, so 
Wow, it's, like I said, it's come faster than I expected. But the um, so my uh, my favorite Simpsons episode uh, is maybe a controversial one. It's definitely really different. It's really meta. Um, it's called Homer's Enemy. This is from season eight, episode twenty-three. It's a John Schwartzwell episode, and this is the one where the audience gets to be with Homer Simpson kind of in a way. So you, cause you have this, you realize kind of how annoying and how horrible a person he really is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's so because Frank Grimes is, there's a lot of sort of poking fun at your 2020 is your sort of your inspirational kind of a character, uh, you know, that crawled his way up and I live below one bowling alley and above another bowling alley. And he gets his PhD from, uh, from like university of Phoenix or something. And the Hawk comes in and tries to take it from his hand. <laughs> Did his family like die in like a silo explosion yeah. or something? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, Mr. Burns is watching these and he's like, uh, make this guy my executive vice president. And, uh, and you know, the next time he's watching the the story of the brave dog and make this, this dog, my executive vice president, but Frank Grimes ends up working with Homer Simpson. And he, it's the kind of thing that like, when you allow somebody to you allow them to do one thing that annoys you, it's sort of similar to what about Bob in a way? Because yeah. Homer is completely oblivious, like just like Bob is, completely oblivious to the fact that he's driving this, you know, this guy uh, uh, through the wall. Uh, well, I mean, he, well, he becomes aware of it, but like the things that he's doing, he's just doing because it's part of him, you know. And then he's then he does become more cognizant, I guess. But but anyway, and it's just like you let you allow one person to kind of get at you. And then, then it, it, like you kind of become fixated at it, and it kind of bothers you more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And the other person, they're perfectly happy with their lives. <laughs> and I love when uh, Homer does eventually start to try to kind of impress him because he doesn't like the fact that this person doesn't like him. He can't deal with that, which is another totally relatable thing. You know, like if you ever know that somebody doesn't like you, they work or something, it's like. Oh no, you know, why don't they like me? <laughs> and so he's really upset about it and he invites him over for dinner. And, you know, of course they try to make them all look nice. And he's like, uh, Bart and Frank crimes comes in. And he says, you've got a son who owns a factory and a <laughs> and lobsters for dinner. <laughs> and I love when he shows the wall of like his accolades as well. And he's like, Oh, and this is my Grammy. Yeah. Uh, he's like, and he's like, you went to outer space? Oh, you've never been? Yeah, you've it's just, never been. I, and I love, you talk about meta moments. It's fun when like the show recognizes all the crazy crap that Homer has done in the past. Yeah. Here's me with President Bush. And he's like, You're the problem with America, Homer. You you skate by and you deserve any of it? No. And I love how Homer's like, he's like horrified. Oh, boy. Yeah, he's that's, horrifying. I mean, Talk about a dark episode, especially yes. that ending where so Grimes tries to get his revenge by entering Homer in that like, you know, <laughs> nuclear safety, nuclear power yeah. plant, like diorama contest, like diorama rama for nuclear power plants. And he ends up winning, beating a bunch of yeah. children. But that is and... one of my favorite lines when uh, he's, he's saying, don't you guys, you know, don't you see that he is in a contest for children? And Carl says, yeah. And Homer beat their brains out. <laughs> 
Way to go, Homer! Yeah, way to go! And so Grimes just goes crazy, and he decides to pretend to be Homer Simpson, like, <laughs> not washing his hands when he goes to the bathroom, and he decides to... Homer Simpson would handle uh, live electrical wire, which leads to his death. And I think yeah. that's the problem. I think that was the thing. one of the things that people... One of the gripes people might have with... Or Grimes that people might have with that episode <laughs> is that uh, it, has, it has one of the darkest Simpsons endings yeah. ever. It's fair. It's fair. Uh, and... I, I even like it that ending in the way Homer's like, you wish. <laughs> or how he falls asleep at Frank Grimes' funeral and that he has to change the, he has the tombstone, you know, Frank Grimes or Grimey as his friends would call him when he hated that <laughs> Simpson called him Grimey the yeah. entire time. And he's got like all the pencils and Homer like chews them all up. I don't know, just all the stuff. I just think it's, it's a real kind of, I, like I said, I love anything that's sort of a parody of work and, or anything got commentary on modern work. And I feel like there's a lot of that in there. Uh, kind of like what sort of motivates us, why to do a good job or not do a good job or, or all of that. And, and uh, so I think that it's really funny. And just, I, I think that most people can relate to that idea of, like I said, of somebody not liking you, of somebody really uh, either, and also feeling like, oh my gosh, this person has it so easy and everything's so hard for me. Like you can just kind of relate to both sides of it. And I just appreciate, like I said, that, that it's, it's sort of the first time I felt like the writers kind of put us next to Homer and how we would yeah. really feel if he really existed. Like, you know, <laughs> how yeah, I agree. annoying that would be. Yeah, and I know Matt Groening isn't a huge fan of this episode because of just that, because he feels like it breaks the reality a little bit. But I feel like at that point in the show, you kind of needed it. I mean... Even at that point, the show was a little long in the tooth going on eight seasons. And I feel like it was a fun point of view to really bring in a relatively normal guy to just expound and, you know, just uh, to just foam at the mouth at this idea of this boob who is able to get so much success in his life despite being so bad at it. I think it was, it's a lot of fun. I think, you know, again, looking at the modern TV landscape, we have seen much darker stuff happen. So this is dark by Simpson standards, but I feel like compared to everything else, it's still a little tame. Yeah, that's true. That, that is very true. Uh, so what is your, uh, your number one Simpsons episode? Well, count me as part of that mob that you mentioned earlier, because my number one episode is Lemon of Troy. The, ah. the lemon tree episode um to me you know i talked with about skinner and the superintendent about how there's not a moment where they they use every single word to its benefit where there's like a joke every single line lemon of troy is one of the only episodes where i feel like there's not one joke that fails from beginning to end there is so much packed into those 22 minutes that it's incredible i mean i don't know if i would say like bart is my favorite character but i probably and the biggest fan of, again, those school storylines, um, because it's fun to have like the kids both act, be able to act like kids and act like adults. And here they're able to, where like Bart is so filled with pride about his town that when the lemon tree that Springfield just happened to bring up this episode is stolen by Shelbyville, they venture in there for a rescue mission. And there's just so much great stuff in there. I mean, you have the Nelson and Martin pairing, which you talked about a little bit in Bart on the road, but you know, 
Martin forcing Nelson to come out and like beat up a kid for him and then singing a song about the, how they were the best of friends for years and years and years. Uh, you have the two Millhouses, how Springfield Millhouse hates the Shelbyville Millhouse until he realizes that they have the same name. And then they quote, when doves cry is incredible. Uh, Bart disguising himself as a Shelbyville kid with a very obvious wig and trying to get away by using spray cans as jetpacks is great and then you get the pair the parents hunting them down finding them uh only for them all to go on one big trojan horse infiltration mission into the impound lot to get the lemon tree back and there's just so many great lines you know there's doings a transpiring shake harder boy there's just i mean it's it's like squeezing juice out of a lemon there is just so much great stuff in this episode and it's not sour at all and it's not bad like turnip juice either. It just has everything. It doesn't have like obviously the more heartwarming moments, but mm-hmm. in terms of comedy, this is an episode that is firing on all cylinders, yeah. in my opinion. Well, and you have Homer and uh, Flander on Flanders RV, uh, yes. you know, which is is really good. And uh, so yeah, it's it's a great one. It, it's not in my top ten, but it, 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 it I love it. You know, there's just so many great ones. Yeah, and, that's, this is the episode that I find myself quoting the most, which is probably why it's the number one for me. Yeah, it's probably more rewatchable than Homer's Enemy, even though I think uh, just because of those sort of maybe more sour moments that uh, that uh, that you know this is one that you could uh, that you could just rewatch over and over again, and mm-hmm. it is. Uh, you know, got great vocal performance all the way around. It's definitely, I, I do like it when you have Millhouse Nelson and, uh, and Bart, you know, kind of all together that I always enjoy uh, when you get that trio. <laughs> yeah. And you also get to, that's how I learned about Roman numerals as well was when oh, Bart yeah. had to figure out how to get, get out of, find, try to evade the man eating tigers by calculating the Rocky movies. And we found out that Rocky seven was going to be Adrian's revenge before it turned into Creed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. I I, I guess uh, real quick, just a, a couple of I forgot to mention before. I I do love Lisa's sacks. You know where mm-hmm. Homer, because I, I love that one. I also love uh, Grade School Confidential, where yeah, her bat, and uh, and um, Skinner get their relationship, and that has a great Ralphie line where he says. <laughs> I saw them in the in the in the closet making making the baby, and then I saw the baby, and it smiled at me. <laughs> yep, yeah, and that's a great one too. Where like Homer says, you know, wait a minute, Bart's teacher is named Krabappel. I was calling her Crandall the entire time. Yeah. Just like small moments with that. Again, I love the school stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess if I'll if I'll mention a, a couple more, you, you talked about like a flashback episode. I love uh, and Maggie makes three, which is the oh flashback yeah episode when Maggie was born because that has another. Like I love the flashback episodes in general, at least in that classic era. But mm-hmm. this had again that do it for her ending where it turns out that like you know where are all the pictures of Maggie. It turns out that Homer had taken them all to like put over his plaque at work to say do it for her. It was like so beautiful of an ending plus you have homer getting to work at the bowling alley i do feel like some of the flashback episodes are relying on a lot of like timely stuff whereas this one because it was so mm-hmm. recent they don't depend on like oh we're in the 80s now so we'll make jokes about that oh um, yeah that's a- true and if i had to pick a treehouse of horror like you did before i agree that five is a great one i i'm partial to treehouse of horror three that's the one that has uh the killer crusty doll and it has uh, oh, King Homer, yeah. and it has Dial Z for zombie with the zombie Flanders. Uh, that that's a really fun one. Hmm. 
That one is really good. Uh, which is the one that has the um, the uh, the secret son in the attic? The oh yeah, that's Bart. Hugo. I think that might be the same episode as uh, Citizen Kang. I want to say that's okay. That one's like good. Seven. Yeah, that's a that's a fun I one. I like that. Uh, yeah, when they it's just that some of the the treehouses were I just don't get like if it's homaging to Saw or something. I, I've never seen that, so I don't know. Well, uh, even like recently, the treehouse of horror. You mean you even see it in this past treehouse of horror? They've been doing less and less scary stuff, and they've been doing like the Hunger Games or yeah. James Bond. Like so, yeah. they've definitely deviated from like the horror genre and more so to the pop culture parody genre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another one I really love is called When, Flander Fa- when Flanders Failed. And uh, mm. that's from uh, um, season three. This is when Flanders uh, starts to, starts the Leftorium. And yes. uh, it's a huge failure. And, and Homer's just loving that. He's just completely loving it. And then he realizes that he knows all of these left-handed people and he hasn't been helping, you know, and he starts to feel kind of guilty of like, of his the fact that he is loving it and so you get this really nice kind of story and i think it's a great uh, net i i don't like that there's this term the flanderization have you heard this term yep so it essentially refers to uh, a character whose qualities have kind of been boiled down to a couple of characteristics so the example with flanders is that i think a lot of people felt like he was a much more complex character in the first few seasons until they essentially boiled him down to him being like uh, you know, persnickety and religious. Mm-hmm. And I I think that there is more to that. I agree with you. But I mean, that is a trend that has happened with a lot of characters on The Simpsons or even on television. I mean, you talked about The Office beforehand. And I know that a good majority of the characters from The Office got flanderized in those later seasons. <laughs> because, I mean, if I was going to say, I, I just feel like, I don't know, because I, I feel like I've, he wouldn't be the one that I would pick for Who that. Would you pick? Um, I mean, cause I feel like he lost his wife. Like, I feel like there's been more to his character than, you know, we've seen him grow and develop a little bit at least. Um, who would I pick? I don't know. It's hard to me cause you don't really pick a Reverend Lovejoy because that's his job. You know, that's his character. Um, I don't know. I mean, Mo, uh, I wouldn't say he, he, I don't know if he'd Barney. lessen as, as much as like he changed. I mean, but Barney got sober. Mo became much creepier. Like yeah. now, he, now he's like, he's very salacious. Like now he's like crushing on Marge. It's like a very weird, yeah, that's weird true. thing. Yeah. I don't know who I would pick, but, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, that was when I first heard that term, I was like, what? No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people say that if there's going to be a jump the shark moment, it's the episode where uh, Principal Skinner, it turns out, wasn't really Principal Skinner. And yeah. I forget what that one's called. Uh, the Principal and the Pauper. That's uh, yeah. Martin Sheen as the real Seymour Skinner. Yeah, that's the one that I've heard, I think, the most. But um, but I, like I said, I still just enjoy the show because I am an animation buff. I, I think it is still artistically ambitious. It, it'll still take on issues. It'll still make me laugh. And you know, I, I'm a, I, I have a hard time sometimes with comedy with a lot of TV actually, because I, it's funny because it started out as this kind of scandalous thing. Like how can you like the Simpsons? And now I feel like it's actually a show that I can like kind of watch and not feel too, compared to your South parks and compared to your, you know, like I actually feel like it's sort of one, the more like cleaner offering. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's all about perspective, right? Back in yeah. the era when The Simpsons began and it was trying to unseat the Cosby show as the number one comedy on TV, that's definitely, uh, I mean, obviously that has different implications now, but I think at the time it's definitely an indicator of like, okay, the shows that were really going up against each other were like family sitcoms about everyday life. And obviously yeah. The Simpsons kind of went off in another direction. I mean, I encourage everybody out there who has not been watching random episodes from like seasons 20 plus like pop on Simpsons world and like look for a random episode. I think you'd be surprised at how much better it is than you initially think. It is not the scum of the earth of comedy. Like I would argue like the worst episodes of family guy are much, much worse than the worst episodes of the Simpsons. Definitely. And you could really see that. I thought in the crossover, the family yeah. guy crossover is, it was just so obvious to me at least. And I guess I'm biased, but to me it was just like, Oh, it's so clear. <laughs> What's the better show? Yeah. And like when concerning you have like the, the characters interact and you have like Bart crank calling Mo and Stewie crank calling Mo, I won't get into the material of the scene because it's a, a little R rated. But yeah. I mean, that just shows like what humor Family Guy is going for. And I really enjoyed Family Guy in its first few seasons, but I think it kind of went on a downside more than the Simpsons have, which as we talked about before, I think is almost on a little bit of an upslide with its mm -hmm. last few seasons. Yeah. And it's not going anywhere. Uh, they just interviewed, I think it was Al Jean, I think uh, one of the, one of the, the few producers uh, that they said that no plans, you know, is uh, uh, the, to, to go anywhere. As long as the, the cast is happy, they're, they're, uh, they're good. And so, so, yeah, so I'd be intrigued to hear from you. When do you think they're going to cut it off? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting. I don't know. I, I think, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think, I think it's just up to the cast. Don't you think? I might like call my son and say, I think after season 30, they might be done. You think? Um, uh, cause I, I mean, I think there's still an okay ratings machine for the network, but mm -hmm. I mean, I think the, the cast might sometimes be looking for greener pastures. There have been many incidents where they've been requesting higher salaries and have even gone on strike for it. Mm -hmm. They're about to pass the longest running TV show ever of beating Gunsmoke in like another like season and a half, which is pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. And 30 is a nice, nice, you know, round number. You know, we're both yeah. Survivor fans. They did not take that bait. But you could think that the Simpsons might theoretically say, you know, 30 is enough. We can end it right there. 30 yeah. years of The Simpsons is great. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I, I, you know, I could see it also, also not, but I could see it. And I think that, you know, that would probably be a good way, you know, to kind of go out on 30. And I, I think that I wouldn't be surprised, I tell you for sure, that they will go out with a movie. I think that they will end the show and then there will be a movie. What do you think about the movie? I think the movie was okay. <laughs> I don't think it's great. I, you know, as a Simpsons, uh, as a Simpsons fan, I, I, of course, was very excited and I enjoyed it. It was fine, but I felt like the if if it were me, if I was the one writing the Simpsons movie, I would have done it kind of a, it's a mad, mad, mad world kind of thing where you mm -hmm. have all these characters, they're all like looking for something or they're all kind of on uh, because I felt like it kind of split away from Springfield for too long, and you didn't get sort of that group dynamic very much and so yeah, I, too, much, too much time in alaska yeah and it just felt like you could you could tell that there were like 19 writers and there were like and i it's not that i didn't like it i liked it but i thought it could have been a little funnier it kind of i thought it could have been a little better 
Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty funny. I think it defied my expectations because I think that point in the series, I think that was like around like season 16. I hadn't given uh-huh. up hope, but I'm like, I, as, I'm not too happy with this. So it at least, you know, I had the bar set very, very low and oh, okay. they raised it a tiny bit. They drove a motorcycle over that. Um, so I enjoyed certain parts of it, sure. but I, I do wonder if they did a movie at the end of the series, if they did the same method of like bringing in as many writers as possible, what that would look like, because I think the humor style has definitely changed. The movie's mm-hmm. a great indicator of like how that humor style changed from what was supposed to be the first movie, which was the Camp Krusty episode, the beginning of season four, they were going to make it into a full length movie initially, but they just weren't able to plan that out. But I think that was a great indicator well, of like, here, here's how things have changed from that era and um, nowadays, we'd be able to say, oh, this is how things have changed from the previous movie, whether for the worse or for the better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they were able to do, uh, you know, some, a few little more adult jokes, but they didn't go overboard that with that, that they couldn't do on TV at the time. And uh, like the spider pig is really funny. And, and that, so there's some definite good jokes, but I would, like I said, I, if I were me, I would have made it more of a, uh, used to more of the minor characters a little bit more. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, I that's, that that's been... the reason why you you fall in love with the town. I mean, one of the, yeah. one of the things I have to commend the show for is like building out an entire supporting cast. I agree. It was weird for them to focus primarily on the Simpsons family. I mean, I thought it was fun to have them talk pretty seriously about like Homer, the family basically being fed up with Homer's antics. And like, a, there was like a very sullen, like mm-hmm. video from Mars with her sitting on the couch about how like she was basically done with him. It's like very, very emotional. Um, so I enjoyed that type of stuff, but again, it would have been fun to see more stuff with these townspeople that we've gotten to know for more than 15 years at this point. Yeah. And evidently it was a complete nightmare. I mean, and they've said they will not do another one ever again until the show is over. That's why I think, that'll be sort of their signing off. Like we're, we're signing off with a movie and, uh, and so, but who knows, but that's just, that's just my theory is that'll be kind of their goodbye. Um, but yeah, it'll be sad. It'll be weird. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think on posterity, but I mean, we're going to, we're about to have another 600 episode binge coming up in a month. Yeah. Crazy. And I, I, yeah, I, I think, uh, it'll be, I don't know, just, we're not having any because now they don't have that animation block really anymore. Uh, like they used to on Sunday nights for so long. So it yeah. is probably, probably nearing the end, but I, who knows? You just never count the show out. That's for sure. Until yeah, and there are plenty I, of spiritual there. successors. I mean, I'd argue the closest spiritual successor to the Simpsons nowadays is Bob's burgers. Um, it has mm-hmm. that great mixture of like amazing supporting cast uh, it's got a f- centers around a family. The family are all a little quirky. It has a great amount of not necessarily emotion, but a great amount of like, like cheery spirit to it. Things do seem to reach mm-hmm. the status quo by the end. So that's, I mean, my wife has fallen in love with Bob's burgers. That's like her version of the Simpsons. Uh, and so I can see a lot of shared DNA between the two. Mm-hmm. We can even see it in feature films as well in uh, Zootopia. The Sharon, did you see that? Did you see Zootopia? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, one of the things that you could see the Simpsons background in Byron Howard and, uh, and Rich Moore. And the, uh, I, I particularly noticed in the background jokes, which is something the Simpsons is great at. You'll often have a, a sign, you'll have a, a billboard, something like that. That'll just be, you, you won't even notice on your first watch, but then on your second watch, you notice the joke, you know, in there. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of that in Zootopia, the, the brand names, 
the things uh, like the CD covers, you know, would be funny or or something like that. They would be kind of a, a that felt very Simpsons like to me. Absolutely. And you could even see it in obviously the, the follow up, which was Futurama. And they did a crossover with Futurama later on. But Futurama yeah. was created by Matt Groening again and David X. Cohen. And there were even more background jokes to the point of where they created an entire language that they put throughout the course of that series. So, yeah. the, you know, The Simpsons has really kind of spread their DNA all around the television and comedy landscape. And I could not be happier about it. Yeah, me too. Well, thanks so much for doing this with me. I had a great time talking about The Simpsons. And uh, uh, so where can people find you? So you can find me on Twitter at a Mike Bloom type. Uh, again, if you want to check out some of the other stuff that I do, again, I talk a lot about reality television, scripted television. You can find me on Rob Has a Podcast, Post Show Recaps, Reality TV Rehap Ups, uh, Westworld with Jay, Jack, and Mike. That's the Westworld podcast that I do weekly. The Survivor Historians. I do a podcast called The Hamster Factor, which is uh, AJ Mass and I, who's a great friend and a writer for ESPN. He shows me a movie that I've never seen before, and we talk about our thoughts. Uh, I, I always, when I list out these podcasts, I realize that I'm doing much, much more than I initially think. I have a lot on my plate, but in true Homer Simpson style, I plan on finishing as everything on my plate and going back to the all-you-can-eat buffet to close the restaurant. <laughs> Do you spend time with your wife? <laughs> yes, we have some moments. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a particularly busy time, but yeah. once the holidays roll around, I will have a lot of family time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, no, that's great. I, uh, I I really love the... A lot of a lot of the post-show recaps, I, are, I don't watch those shows, but I do love Once Upon a Time. And uh, so I love that. And of course, all the... Uh, survivor coverage i i really do enjoy and so you definitely want to check out his his uh mike's podcast they're really great and uh, so yeah you can follow me on social media at smiling lds girl and my blog is 54 disney reviews i do weekly uh, disney canon reviews on wednesdays i'm going to be posting about treasure planet next week so that will be fun and, and i've been doing a disney scares month so this week I have on Sunday, I will be posting about something wicked this way comes, which is really good. So I'm very excited to talk about that. So uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. And thanks again. And uh, we will have to, maybe we'll have to talk about Futurama one of these days. Yeah, one of these days. <laughs> okay. <laughs>